Well, good morning, everybody. Sauborna. We are come from we are great to say away. Amen. So excited to be back here. Uh, it's been a while, huh? Eh? Uh, so I've been on a journey of coming here for the past uh, three years, every Monday, every third Monday, uh, doing CP, what, MPM for God now, uh, uh, doing church planting, uh, mentorship program, and I kind of miss it, uh, but yeah, it's been a, a beautiful, powerful journey, and excited to be here. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, we planted Hope Church in March 2020, and I was just looking at some pictures uh, in 2019, I think it was late 2019, where we had uh, uh, the group here, and everybody just praying uh, for us, uh, but I just, yeah, I want to let you guys know that the church is still going strong, amen, uh, people are still getting saved, people are still getting baptized, uh, we're still in the community, uh, doing what God has called us to do, uh, so yeah, we're super excited uh, for what God is doing uh, in Montclair, and that's uh, side of the vineyard. Uh, so yeah, uh, we will invite you guys soon uh, to just come and partake in what God is doing uh, on that side of the world. Amen. Uh, are you ready for the word of the Lord Amen. this morning? So I hope that the word blesses you. And if it doesn't, in the words of Becky Kale, you just need to shut up. <laughs> shut up. And just keep quiet. Don't say anything. Just go home quietly and don't say anything to anybody. Don't say that young man came and, ooh, he was all over the show. Just shut up. Amen. Amen. Hey. Let me tell you, this is a beautiful country, man. I would not trade South Africa for anything else. This country can be a circus, man. Hey, man, this country can be a circus. So yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome, man, just to see what's happening. And then there's this young white guy. He's very notorious. Every time a minister says something, he makes songs. Uh, so the first time the first minister spoke about the Zol, you remember? This guy made a Zol song, Zol. Zol. You remember? How many of you know that song? The Zol. When you, when you mix the Zol, like, uh, and then uh, this guy made a song about Becky Kelly's uh, Shut Up, and it's a hit song, and it's going viral. Amen. I'm not here to be a comedian, though. I'm here to preach the word of the Lord uh, to you. Uh, good to see so many uh, brand new faces here this morning. Uh, super excited to be uh, in this country. Uh, I actually realized that Toti is a country on its own, yeah? because when the floods hit, uh, those tankers, man, they blocked off Toti. And uh, I was house hunting, and let me tell you what, man, I saw a house, and I was telling Garrett, there's this beautiful house that I saw, and I was very tempted to purchase this house, and my wife was just like, I don't want to move out of the area. But that house was right here on Intombeni Drive. I'm like, oh, I can't stay so close to Red Road Church. Then there's going to be conversations with Garrett. Why don't you come and serve in this house? I'm like, no, I can't say. Beautiful house here with palm trees, number 200 and something. Uh, but anyway, we give God praise uh, and glory. Last week, we finally shifted into our new house. Amen. Uh, so we want to just thank the Lord uh, for doing that. So this morning, we're looking at John chapter 4, John's gospel, uh, chapter 4. I know you guys have been in the book of Luke. I know you're tired of looking. Uh, so today we're going to go into John, uh, 
Just a little bit about uh, my friend, uh, uh, your pastor, Garrett, man. Uh, the first time I met him, uh, just relaying the story because I can see a lot of new faces here this morning. Uh, I met him the first time uh, in Gateway. I was working in the office and uh, a mutual friend, uh, Steve, sets up the meeting between myself uh, and Garrett. And I think it was an interview of sorts uh, because Steve said, you need to get this young man to come and preach in your church. Uh, so Garrett drove from Toti all the way to Mflanga to have coffee with me just to test me out to see, okay, is he... You know, oh, but that meeting went very, very well. Uh, and that very first uh, occasion that we met, we were fighting over who's going to pay for the coffee. And that was then, then I knew that this relationship is going to be one for the long haul. Uh, so uh, uh, such a blessing to have you in my life, bro. And then we went over to Johannesburg. This is a naughty man. Let me tell you, that. we went over to Joburg uh, with the church planters, yeah? And uh, we were all sleeping in this one house. And it was a beautiful sunny day in Johannesburg. Uh, so at night, uh, someone stole my bed, I think, in one of the rooms. I don't know who stole um, my sleeper. Prince stole my bed. So Garrett was sleeping downstairs in, in the lounge all by himself. So I went and I slept uh, in the lounge as well. But I didn't tell him or anyone that I am the king of snoring. <laughs> I said it proudly. I snore through the walls. Poor Garrett to sleep in having a beautiful sleep, and here I come, I jump on the other couch, and within a few moments, I start snoring. Two, three o'clock in the morning, I'm hearing thunder and lightning, raining. I'm saying to myself, it is a beautiful hot day. How is it raining? And I'm tossing and turning, I'm like, wow, this job weather is wild, man. So I get up and I look outside the window, and there's nothing. <laughs> Only to find out that Gareth has an app on his phone that cancels noises. <laughs> so you put that app on, and it makes this rain sound, so it cancels out the snoring, so he can have a peaceful sleep. I'm like, he really got me there, man. So I was like, wow, this guy. I'm telling you, man, I can tell you like a lot of beautiful stories. I'm just, man just publicly appreciating you uh, for everything you've done in my life. And we went uh, over to the UK uh, a, a few months ago, and we had an awesome time. And myself and Garrett, we, we sat at KFC. We had some lunch, and he was just giving me some, some tips in terms of church finances, personal finances, church finances. And I paid for the KFC, and I'm like, this boy came up to 400 rand for three twice, two in the UK. <laughs> so much for financial literacy. Anyway. Gospel of John chapter 4. Let's go from verses 1 to verses 42. Uh, we're going to read a few verses here. Uh, this is my beautiful wife, De Odell. Just wave to the people. That's my wife. Amen. I married a beautiful Indian wife. Oh, we don't eat curry every day. Some people are stereotypical. You must eat curry. Eh? That's why his stomach is so big. Nah, we don't eat curry uh, in my house. Today we're having roast chicken. We eat English food there. Yeah. <laughs> My wife was British inside. She's just in an Indian body. Only English, only English. We had cottage pie this week. We had lasagna. We want to eat curry. That's why I married her for the curry, but. Yeah. John chapter 4. I promise you I'm not going to be too long. Bible says this. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was 
sorry, making and baptizing more disciples than John, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied, he was tired as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. The Bible says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep where... Do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as does his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. I'm smiling because we are just referencing these things prior to uh, the preaching this morning. And then the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. Oh, I have to come here to drink water. And Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying that you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. So what you are saying is true. And then the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he must tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just a few more verses. For some of you, this is the most Bible you're going to read the entire week, so let's just continue with it. The Bible says, just then his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said nothing. Or no one said, why are you talking to her? So the woman left the water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And then they went out to the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruits for eternal life. So that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. The Bible says that many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And he told me all that I ever did, was what the woman said. So when the Samaritans came to him, 
they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed with them for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Amen. Thank God for the reading of his word. This morning I want to speak to you about God's divine mercy. And I just have three or four points uh, with regards to the mercy of God. So the story is about a woman at the well. And we're going to look at God's divine mercy uh, in the story. And just four aspects of God's divine mercy. I think the first thing uh, that we can point out here this morning that God's divine mercy is relentless. His divine mercy is relentless. We first need to understand that the Bible is not a story about man's quest for God. Bible is not a story about man's quest for God. It's about God's quest for us. Amen? God's mercy is coming after us. Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave first. So when God wants you to reach out and touch mankind, he doesn't shout from heaven. He becomes a man. The incarnation takes place because God wants to relate with his people. In 2012, Turcom uh, put out a powerful ad, man. There was this old man that used to live in the mountains. And when they used to wake up in the morning, one used to scream, Morum Flobum! You know that advert? Right? Used to scream. And then what happens? Telecom comes and they connect the phone line. And he's so excited, he dials the number. The phone rings, but he still opens the door and screams, Morum Flobum! Yeah? The point is this morning that God does not communicate to us like that. God is not a distant God. He speaks to us. Amen. God wants to speak to us clearly. He comes to that place. We frequently, like the woman who came to the well did, we all have a well. We all have a place that we go to every single day. And that is the place where Jesus comes and he sits with us and he wants to have a conversation with me and you. So his mercy is relentless. The Bible tells us that Jesus, when he got to the well at about the sixth hour, which was noon, now noon is midday, right? Now, in those times, it's blistering hot. They're staying in like a desert place. So according to my research, when people went to go and draw water from the well, they went early in the morning or maybe closer to the evening. But the Bible tells us that this woman went at noon and she went alone. She was by herself. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, why is this woman going all by herself to draw water? Because I'm sure if we're all living in a community, we all wake up in the morning, we go together. Let's go to the well and we have conversations. Because the well is just not down the road, it's quite a distance. We walk into the well, we're going to go draw some water. But this woman was all by herself. She comes at the worst time of the day and alone. You know why? Because she is a public sinner. Nobody wants to associate themselves with her. So she comes to that well all alone. In the middle of the day when she knows nobody's going to be there, she comes out in the blistering heat and she goes and she withdraws that water from the well. No one was prepared to have their brand tainted by associating with her. 
cancel culture. Public sinner, we don't want to have anything to do with you, but not Jesus. In life, sometimes things happen to us where it becomes public news. And if it's something that's embarrassing or humiliating what happens to us, we withdraw from that person. I don't want to be associated with that person. It's not going to be good for me or my brand because, you know, we're living in a social media age now. My brand is important, and I don't want to be associated with anybody who's going to mess up with my brand. But thank God for Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. One slap at the Oscars, and everybody doesn't want to have anything to do with Will Smith. Why? Because their brand is going to be tainted. We are distancing ourselves from Will Smith. Even studios are canceling movies. I was really hoping he makes I Am Legend 2 or some other good movie. But now we don't know the future of Will Smith. Why? Because no one wants to associate with his brand because of what he did. And you might be sitting here this morning. And you might have done something in your past. And there are still people who do not want to associate themselves with you. And I'm sure that you can identify yourself on some level with the woman at the well. I am doing stuff all by myself. I have lunch by myself. I go to the movies by myself. No one wants to associate themselves with me. Poor you. <laughs> Kevin Hart, comedian, landed his dream job of hosting the Oscars. And you know what the alphabet community did to him? Alphabet community is the LGBTQ community. You know what they did? They pulled out all of his old tweets where he spoke against the community. And the Oscar said, Kevin, we are so sorry. We can't have you host these awards because of what you tweeted eight years ago. Cancel culture. So I'm just putting this woman at the well, her story, into context. When things happen to us, people don't, uh, don't want to associate themselves with us. This is the world that we are currently living in. One mistake and you are canceled. But the good news is Jesus does not care. He breaks tradition and he asks this woman for a drink. The scripture tells us that Samaritans had nothing to do with Jews, but Jesus bypassed even all of those traditions because God's divine mercy is relentless. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, Indian, colored, doesn't matter what religious background you come from. You saw in the news this week, the guy who was a Satanist has now turned to Jesus. Yeah? I remember watching his interview two years ago. He's like boldly saying the church will close down in two years. And look, God got a sense of humor. Two years later, yeah, he comes and say, I renounce Satanism. I'm now serving Jesus Christ. Come on. God's love is relentless. We can clap our hands for Jesus there. Amen. God's divine mercy is relentless. Uh, I don't know if you'll clap here and people preach, but anyway, um, I'm not from this church, so they'll do it now. So I come from a Pentecostal background, and I'm not apologizing for that. So I like noise sometimes. You know? Glory to God. Come on. You know, I was preaching, I went to Compton, 
California, and I was preaching in that church. Oh, there's a fight. When you preach and you say something, well, they run up to the pulpits and they high-five you and they stand. And they're like, you better preach. You better preach. You're like, whoa. I like interactions, but this is wild, man. I was like, whoa. This is like the Royal Rumble, and they all come and stand alongside you, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want too much of that. Number two, God's divine mercy wants to draw us into divine life. The fundamental law of spiritual life is this. I read this somewhere, and it says that your being increases in the measure that you give it away. We all think the opposite, that my being increases the more I hang on to things. But Jesus said that life does not consist in the abundance of things. In the church that I grew up in, there was a rich man. I always feel sorry for this man. And I couldn't understand why I was supposed to be feeling sorry for myself. I never grew up. I grew up very poor. I had one pants I used to wear to church. And my friend used to mock me and say, hey, bro, what can you always wearing this uniform to church? But he didn't know that I didn't have clothes. And this poor Indian man, he came, and I'll never forget him. He's passed on now. Gave me a white Michael Jackson pants. <laughs> you know those pants that are big in the top and small at the bottom? We call them central locking pants, right? <laughs> that pants couldn't even come over my knee. And he blessed me, like, hey, bless you, thank you so much, man. Because he saw that, hey, poor man, this poor boy, wearing his blue pants every week. But this rich man always used to feel sorry for him. And then the thought came to me, this guy has got everything that money can buy. But his soul is not happy. Isn't it strange that people who don't have much can be so happy? And people who have got everything in the world, they're not happy people. I was in the Philippine Islands a few years ago. We were doing some mission work, and we met the poorest, happiest people. We woke up one morning, and the family said, come, we need to pray. What are we praying for? We're praying for the, the two boys that they go out into the ocean, and they catch dinner for us. And during the day, we would go out and preach in the Paraguays. Those were the villages that they called them. We used to go preach in the Paraguays. And when we come back, there was great rejoicing because, what, the boys caught fish? And they used to fry those fish, and we used to just have a, a bowl of, of dry rice and a small bottle of Coca-Cola. And let me tell you, that was the best meal ever. Why? Because there was such joy. And then we go to another village, another Paraguay, and then the lady there says, hey, I don't have anything. The neighbor hears the conversation, and she blesses this lady with a chicken for us. And there's great rejoicing there. And we were staying in this house, and there was no hot shower. We were showering with cold water. But let me tell you what, we had the best life, even to the degree that when I was coming home, I had feeling kind of depressed. I was like, I'm going back home to Buzz now. I'm going back home to the 9 to 5 grind. And it's funny that we were living day to day, but we were the most happiest people in the Philippine Islands. How is it that you have everything? You've got Netflix, you've got everything, but you're not happy. Because life does not consist in the abundance of things. Jesus told the disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfoots his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? 
So Jesus here is, is inviting the woman to divine life. He says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this drink. Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or I have to come to draw water. And Jesus says, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying that I have no husband. And I'm going to get some of you uh, just now. And he says, you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. So what you are saying is true. What's wrong with this lady, man? You can't keep a man. Five husbands. You're on the sixth man. Wow. Hey, what's going on here? You see, when God does a work in a person, he always deals with the root issues. Jesus is saying, you want this eternal life? Good, but let's deal with your deep pain points. Hmm, her deep pain points could have been rejection, Rejected by five different men. Public shame, humiliation, insecurity. And you can put that thing that pains you the most in your life on that list. Jesus says, you want to drink this water? No problem. Go and get your husband. Bring that problem to me that nobody knows about. Jesus says, come, you are going to drink. No problem. But let's sort this issue out first. Let's sort this thing out that you're walking around with that is causing you to be immobile. You want to serve God. You want to get involved. You want to do what God has called you to do. But this one thing is holding you back. And Jesus says, I want to deal with that thing this morning. You see, Jesus doesn't care. You know why? Because he created you and he knows everything about you. He knows everything about you. You know, we walk around in life, hey, this is my secret, nobody needs to know. God knows. He knows all things. What happens next is interesting. Look at her response. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet and our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you said that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. What does she do? She changes the topic. Jesus says, go and call your husband. She starts talking about worship. I said, go call your husband. And isn't that what we do with God? Many times when God is speaking to us about issues in our life, we deflect. So this woman's like, nah, I'm not going to have this conversation with you, Jesus. Let's talk about worship here. She changes the subject. Wow. We sign up and say, yes, Jesus, quench my thirst. But when he says, okay, let's deal with your pain point, many of us change the topic So you might be saying this morning, you mean that this is going to cost me something? I might need to abandon some of the things I love? The simple answer is yes. But what you need to understand is, Jesus is saying this morning, what I am offering will far exceed anything that you ever dreamed of. The water that you are currently drinking, it's not going to quench your thirst forever. But this water that I'm offering you, this divine life that I'm offering you, 
you will never, ever thirst again. You will keep on finding yourself going back to that same thing until you come to a place of surrender and say, Jesus, okay, I surrender. Deal with me how you want to deal with me. And that's when we will experience this divine life. Amen. God's divine mercy wants us into divine life. God wants to have a relationship with us. Point number three, two more points and I'm out of here. God's divine mercy is demanding. Hmm. We all have a version of the well. It's something we go to and we drink and get a little bit of satisfaction, but then we thirst again. So we come back and we eventually find ourselves in this desperate rhythm that gets us nowhere. It's like in the gym, you're running on this treadmill, but you're going nowhere fast. Yeah? And Jesus is saying to this woman, he's saying, you come to this well every single day. You drink and you get thirsty again. And the divine command from Jesus to the woman is, you need to get out of this rhythm that you are in. You have to stop coming to this well and you have to drink the water that I'm going to give you. So there's a demand there. Jesus is saying you need to stop this routine. Jesus is saying to this woman and to you and to me this morning, because of my divine mercy and because it's relentless, I'm therefore making a demand on you. You have to let go of the things that are blocking you from experiencing the divine life. We got a lot of young people in our church. And I'm like, hey, if you want to experience all that God has for you, you have to give up control. And what we are finding in our context now is a lot of young people, they're not anti-community, they're anti-authority. Because when you say, let's get together, we're going to have free burgers, we're going to play FIFA, we're going to have free pizzas, they love that. They love community. But authority is what they don't want to get involved in. So this is what they say. I'm prepared to come and have fellowship. I'm prepared to have a nice meal, drink some nice coffee. As long as you don't tell me what to do or you don't tell me how to live my life. This is the soundtrack of the young people of today. I will come to church, but you don't tell me how to live my life. I will do it my way, Frank Sinatra. You understand what I'm saying? So a lot of our young people are anti-authority. They're not anti-community. We don't mind going to church, man. Church is nice. Look at this church. It's beautiful. Christmas lights in July. Bye, 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 bye. Wow. Hey. Come, let's, let's, let's get back to it. Let's, let's get back to it. So listen, what is the well? The question is this morning, what is your well? What is that thing you go to continuously? Yeah? You need to name it and get rid of it and respond to God's divine mercy. Name your well. You know, get a tortoise in church planters. Don't have 70% conversations with people. Have that 100% conversation. Don't be vague in your conversations. You need to be clear because you can save somebody's life. 
So I started having those 100% conversations. I'm not like, hey, bro, how's things with you and your girlfriend? I see you're not coming to church anymore. I'm like, are you all fornicating? <laughs> not a lot of laughs in this room. I'm getting concerned. Just playing with y'all. But I have those 100% conversations, and they have been so helpful. Because if you're coming from a place of love and your speech is sprinkled with grace, man, people will receive you. But if there's offense in the heart and if there's issues of the heart, then you will get other responses. So I started having those 100% conversations. And let me tell you, man, it's been beautiful. So God's divine mercy is the morning. And last but not least, point number four, God's divine mercy sends us on mission. Hallelujah. No one in the Bible is given an experience with God without being sent. There's no exception. There's nobody that God puts a golden spoon in your mouth and say, you know what, everyone that I have an encounter with, I'm going to send them on mission except for you because you're the blue, blue-eyed boy or because you've got braids in your hair or whatever it is. There's no exception. God's divine mercy sends us on mission. After receiving the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the woman puts down the water jar and she runs into the town. She becomes the first evangelist. And this is one of the earliest signs of true conversion. When God truly does a work on the inside of you, you can't help it, man. It's like Jeremiah, fire shut up in your bones. You want to tell somebody about this Jesus Christ? You don't become Daniel Craig or 007. James Bond, secret agent, nobody knows you're a Christian? No. You want the whole world to know Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Stop, look at your neighbor and say, stop being a 007. <laughs> stop being a secret Christian, man. This is not a secret agent, yeah. This is not a secret agency. This woman... When she encountered Jesus, oh, let me tell you, she ran into the town. She's like, oh, I've had many men, but come see a man. He told me everything that I've ever did. Come and see. Her thirst was quenched. And that's what happens. God sends us on mission. She puts down the old addictive pattern. She drops the stuff down. She's saying, I'm through with that. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not coming to this place to drink anymore. I'm throwing down these jars. The Bible says she left the jars there and she ran into the city. She came to draw water, but after an encounter with Jesus, she dropped those jars and she ran into the city. Some of us are like, ah, I still need this water. No, she left everything behind. She's like, the world needs to know about Jesus. He sends us on mission. Someone said that evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread. Ah, that's beautiful, huh? Tell people where to find the bread. Jesus cracks the code to our life. And this morning, will you allow him to crack the code of your life? Those things that we have locked up secretly away in our life, Jesus is saying this morning, let me crack that code. There is a whole new life waiting for you. That divine life, the life where Jesus says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If you want to walk in freedom this morning, Jesus says, let me crack the code. And he doesn't just set you free so that you can just walk around and say, la di da He sets you free for mission. He sets you free so that you can be an ambassador for him. So that you can go and tell people, hey, this is what Jesus has done for me. And if you're not 
Some of us, we are just wild like that, you know. When I first got saved, I had friends who used to condemn me. Come on, we're going to go preach in public. I think I was a few weeks saved, and a guy took me on his bike. We went outside the workshop in Central Turban, and he started preaching on this loud ailer. And he's like, yeah, preach. And I'm like, bro, I don't even know what to say. He's like, if you're ashamed before the Father, before men, it's going to be ashamed before you. I'm like, bro. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Just invite somebody to Alpha. See, I'm doing marketing for you. <laughs> you might not be a preacher. Just say, come on, man. There's free meals there, and I'm paying for you. Come over to Alpha. So this morning, this divine mercy sends us on mission. Hey, man, when we go to heaven, we want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of God. Let me tell you what, God has got great things in store for each and every one of us this morning. But can we allow Jesus to crack the code to our lives? Such a freeing thing to live the abundant life where we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm tired of drinking from this well. I'm tired of finding my identity in things. It's an exhaustive life when you drink from every other well except the well that Jesus brings you to drink from. It's like you're running on a treadmill and it's exhausting. Always looking for affection, always looking for people to affirm you on social media. What is it going to take? What is it going to cost? How many posts are you going to post up there in order to feel fulfilled? When you get to the top of that mountain, there's only dust there. It's dust. You're chasing after the wind. But Jesus says, come to me. Come and drink from me. Oh, you will never thirst. This well doesn't dry. Even when the storms of life come, you're not going to experience shortage of water. Jesus says, my light shines brightly even though we experience load shedding in this country. When it comes to the kingdom of God, we shine our lights bright. We don't load shed when the storms of life come. We stand and we're like, this light is going to shine in the midst of whatever Eskom is trying to do. We shine the lights of Christ brightly because we are not on the grid of this world. We are on God's grid. Say amen, somebody.